I want to talk to you this morning about conception. Everyone say conception. conception. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. Birth. Birth. Conception. conception. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. Birth. Okay, just before I get into that, uh, straight after this, all ADT students, photographs will be taken in the room. Also, today, we have a, we're going to have to clear you out the church by 1.30. Everybody's got to get out the building by 1.30. Because we've got a tea party for the older generation. Um, there's a thing nationally where you, you adopt the older folks for the day. And we've got one here, a tea party for the older folks. Uh, Emma's running it. And uh, I think it's a great idea. So at 1.30, please, can you make sure you get out of the way? So we'll put the toys out, but don't set up the annex. Leave that. Emma's going to come in and set that up. So about 1.30, please, make your way out. But after, straight afterwards, ADT students, go in there. Photos are going to be taken. Best smile. Okay? You've got to put the Shrek smile on. Okay, Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. It's so important that we understand that God is taking us as a church into new territory. Now, it's so, it's so important that you finally grasp this. So, you can't grasp this if you can't conceive. Okay? Everything that God says, there has to be a conception. You have to conceive what God is saying. And from that, that's the, that's the credentials and to start thinking, entering into what God is doing and what God is saying. Everything that God does with you starts off with his word. And the word then, you have to conceive the word. Hello? You have to conceive it. And those who can't conceive can't go to the next stage. You can't be pregnant with what God is saying. This is so, so important. We understand this. So in Genesis 30, 22, we see Rachel. It says, and then God remembered Rachel. So we know Rachel has had conversations prior to this with God about her barrenness. If God remembered Rachel, it's because Rachel's been reminding God something's not right within her. Okay? And God remembered Rachel and he listened to her. That gives me great confidence that God will listen to us. In the area of our barrenness. And then God opened up the womb. Ready for conception to take place. Amen. She became pregnant. Hallelujah. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And then she made a declaration. She said God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said may the Lord add to me another son. So not only is she now interested in thanking God for what God has given her, she's now planning on another one. And she's not even had this one yet. Why? Because conception isn't just once. You can, you know, if you've got two or three children, there's evidence that you conceive more than once. God just doesn't want you to birth once. He wants you to keep on producing. And if you're going to keep on producing, you have to keep on conceiving. Many Christians, God answers their prayer and that's it. I see them shut down after they've received what they wanted. So you got what you wanted, that's it now. Me and God are fine, I don't have to put any more effort into it. But when you wanted something, you cried out to God, you praised God, you did everything you can, but once you got what you want, whether it was your healing, your breakthrough, 
your child, whatever it was, you then go back to normality. And God said, you know, if you can conceive at that level and give birth at that level, why can't you go for another one? Why can't you go to the next level and to the next level? Most Christians don't even give birth once. But those who do, then stop. And don't let God, uh, don't allow God to keep on bringing his word so they can conceive again and keep on bringing forth. Because production is the most important thing in the kingdom. You know, some of us will say that, you know, I'm still waiting for God to do something. God says, you know, there's many things I've been waiting for you to birth. There's many things. How about trying to birth Christ? Let's just try and bring Christ forth. Hello? Everybody look at me. The first birth is bringing Christ forth. Out of you all. You're wanting God to do something, but Christ has to be birthed in you. First and foremost, Jesus has to be birthed. In the 18th century, there was something so dark and powerful that spread across Europe. And it was known as the, as the puperal fever. As puperal fever. Purple. I don't want to say purple. Purple fever. But if I said to you, its other name, it was known as the Black Death of Childbed. The Black Death of Childbed. Listen to this. What was happening in some hospitals was that 70% of women who was giving birth was dying within a 48-hour period. Wow. They were, giving, they were giving birth and they were dying within a 48-hour period, which is quite significant. Which meant there was a massive vacuum of mums in the home. Right across Europe. We talk about fathers being taken out of the home, but here mothers were. Many of, those, many of those women were saying were dying within a 48-hour period. And this black death became the ravage of Europe. It was a disease that grew worse and worse throughout the course of, of the century. This took place in the Renaissance period, where, you know, which was a time in, where empirical science had to prove everything and subsequently what happened was is because doctors wanted to study this this sickness and try and find out what was wrong they decided that they would do autopsies on all the women who died and they did autopsies on every woman that died in the morning they'd be doing autopsies and then in the afternoon they would go and bring deliveries but the one guy his name was I'll tell you who his name was Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was the father of the Supreme Court of Justice, realised that all these doctors who were conducting the autopsies in the morning were not washing their hands before delivering these babies. They were not washing their hands before they were delivering these babies. And they were causing the problem. He says, guys, you are the problem. To which he, he told them and they said, you're crazy. How can we be the problem? We're the scientists. Listen to the arrogance of the scientist in those days. We're the doctors. And he said to them that if you would wash your hands 
after and sterilize your instruments after every time you do an autopsy, I guarantee this will begin to diminish and will rid Europe of this disease. Well, over a 30-year period, that's what it took for that to happen. So in that 30-year period, those who had conceived, those who who had given birth, lost what they carried. All because someone did not sterilize their instruments and wash their hands. Wow. Now when that began to eventually drop into the into the minds of, of these doctors, they saw dramatic improvement. They saw dramatic improvement that this disease is beginning to diminish and they saw the significance of what Wendell Holmes had told them. Sterilization, washing your hands, is going to be the issue of the day and we can eradicate it by simple methods. Wow. So what do we learn from that? Well, we learn first and foremost the power and importance of sterilization. What does that mean to us? Don't let your unclean heart and your unclean hands stop you from producing what God wants you to produce. It's your unclean hands and your unclean heart that will always prevent you from producing what God wants you to produce. Can you see that? He who has clean hands and a pure heart may ascend. But he who doesn't have clean hands and a pure heart will not ascend and you can cause damage by that condition. You can't just enter God's presence anyway, any place. There are conditions, clean hands, pure heart. Repent, there's a good place. And because God is the sterilizer. God is the one who washes, cleanses, excuse me, and sterilizes us, our hearts for his presence and for his service. Amen. So the first thing you need to see is the power and importance of sterilization. If you're going to carry and conceive what God is saying to you, don't let your own hands and your own heart become the very reason why 70% of what God puts in you doesn't come to birth. Can you see that? That's good, Tony, right there. We could just go home and finish the message right there. But because I'm a good pastor, I'll carry on. Point number two, you are often the answer and the problem to your own situation. Doctors were the the problem and doctors were the answer. Doctors were the problem and doctors were the answer. You are often, when God puts his word inside you, you are the answer and you are often the problem. Let's not look far. You know, they say the apple does not fall far from the tree. You're the tree that carries its own apples. And when your apples go bad, it's because the tree's not good. So when the apple falls from the tree, in other words, the problem is connected to the tree. Don't just look at the apple. Look at the tree that's producing the apple. And there's the problem. It's not he made me do it, she made me do it. No, 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 no. You. You. Take account. Take responsibility for you and let's work the rest from there. Amen. So you're often the answer and you are often the problem to your own solution. Very often you say, I want prayer, I need prayer, I'm desperate for prayer. And I would turn around and say, you're absolutely right, but you need to go and pray. 
Let me say that again for those who didn't understand. Oh, pastor, I need prayer. I need desperately prayer. I absolutely need prayer. And I would say, absolutely, we'll go and pray. No, I need prayer. You do. Go and pray. And when you've prayed and you've prayed, then come back and then we might be able to top up what you lack. But let's not start from your lack and emptiness. Let's start from what you're doing first. Because when I know you're praying about you, my prayer will join with you and then we'll have a different breakthrough. But what people want to do is, Pastor, you solved the problem for me. No, 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 no. We didn't get here where we are today because we keep on doing that nonsense behavior. We started out that way and learned some things along the way. Can you see that? So, point number three. When you, when you refuse to listen to new wisdom and advice, just like those doctors, Wendell Holmes told the doctors he was giving them wisdom and advice... So when you, li- when you refuse to listen to new wisdom and advice, you show yourself as having a lack of humility. You show yourself as, have, as one who has a lack of humility. You're telling me something I don't know. Who are you to tell me? I've not heard this before. Right, so this is the point of conception. I'm telling you something you've never thought about, never even entertained before, and it's coming, at you, it's coming to you at such a high level that it's easy for you to ignore it and dismiss it. But if you can conceive at that level, you're in. The seed can get in if you can conceive. When you refuse to listen to new wisdom and advice, you show yourself as having a lack of humility. With this lack of humility, with this lack of humility... You will destroy what you have conceived. Which will be tragic. With this lack of humility, you will destroy what you have conceived. The Bible tells us that precept upon precept. So God builds stage by stage. So if you, can, if, if you destroy what's built here, the next level cannot go on top. Precept upon precept. And if your lack of humility gets a hold of you, it will destroy what you have conceived previously. Can you see this? So when you refuse to listen to new wisdom and advice, you show yourself as having... A lack of humility. With this lack of humility, you will destroy what you've conceived, which can be tragic. Point four. Your own ignorance will invariably kill, sabotage, even threaten what you carry and desire to give birth to in God. Let me say that again. Your own ignorance. These doctors were ignorant. These doctors were ignorant. And you could turn around and say, well, it was a time when they didn't have new insight. Well, this doctor gave, was trying to give them, Wendell Holmes was trying to give them an upgrade into what they didn't know. And very often, it's at the point when you have no answers that God brings someone to you to give you an answer that seems so left field that it's so easy to dismiss. Hello? If it was obvious, you wouldn't need somebody. So let me say that again. Your own ignorance will invariably kill, sabotage, even threaten 
what you carry and desire to give birth to in God. These doctors were, were creating catastrophe right throughout Europe by their practice. Christians are creating catastrophe right across Europe because of their practice. Please see the significance of God trying to take you to the next level. Your practice is what's going to kill what God is trying to do. Thank God for Dr. Wendell Holmes. Thank God for an Edison. Thank God for any other guy who's contributed significantly to the development of mankind. Thank God for their breakthroughs. And whenever there's been a breakthrough, guess what? There's always, is always exposed mass ignorance. Do you think you're any different? Do you think I'm any different? God will expose our ignorance to show you to stand back and watch how you respond when wisdom comes into your arena. But if you're you're not a person who can receive wisdom, you're in trouble. Let me say it again. You're in deep trouble if you cannot listen to wisdom. I am becoming a guardian of wisdom. I'm becoming a pursuer of wisdom because I realize it's the one thing that's going to set me apart from all the others. The wisdom that, you know, our nation is filled with knowledge, but it's starving of wisdom. And the man or woman who can carry wisdom will become the game changer in your environment. Get wisdom, the Bible tells us. Get wisdom. So, point five. On just on this issue. To conceive is but one stage. Would you all acknowledge that? Yeah. Right. Conceiving can be fun. Conceiving can be difficult. Would you all acknowledge that? So, to conceive is but one stage. Carrying what you conceive and giving birth to what you carried is another stage. But, but... Taking care of what you've given birth to is the most critical stage. Because once he's born, then you've got a different, you need a different wisdom how to raise and care for what you've carried. True? It takes a different wisdom. Once the baby's out the womb, these mothers have gone through conception. These mothers had carried that child. These mothers had given birth to their dreams. Only for a, a practice, a malpractice, to destroy what they carried. Wow. Up to 70% of children. So, Isaiah 26 Okay, so you now we're all happy that we're, we're, we're conceiving. This morning, we are conceiving. In the spirit, what we're seeing the ramifications of, of malpractice. Is that the right word? Malpractice. We are seeing the ramifications of malpractice on the ground. We've got to get the practice right on the ground, folks. The practice is the key thing. Do you understand this? Our, Christi- our practice is affecting Europe. Our, our practice is affecting Manchester. 
our practices affecting your home. We've got to get the practice of our Christianity right. So in Isaiah 26, that verse 17, as a woman with child, watch this, watch this, as a woman with child and about to give birth, rives and cries out in her pain, so were, so were we in your presence, O Lord. We were with child, we arrived in pain, but we gave birth to wind. Oh. The very thing that you pursue sometimes is nothing but wind. And you are convinced and tell everybody that you've got this dream. And you're pursuing this dream and it's going to take you in this direction. But all you're going to give birth to is wind. It's not what God had in store, but because of your lack of humility, you will carry and give birth to the wrong things. All because you can't listen. Oh, it's gone quiet in here now, so I take that you're listening. No, maybe you're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. So I'll say it again. If you can't listen to what is being said and what is being spoken, there's a good chance that you'll give birth to wind. Oh, you'll writhe. Oh, you'll go through what woman natural goes through. Look, there was crying here. There was giving birth. She was writhing, just like a normal woman does. But the end result was we gave birth to wind. So the woman goes to the doctors and she says, Doctor, I've got terrible pain. I've got terrible pain. He says, oh, it's just wind. Wind. How, who would have thought wind could create so much pain? But it does. But when he finally gets out, it creates a lot of relief. So wherever you be, let your wind blow free. But just don't let it blow in this direction. But there's nothing worse than to get. There's nothing worse. <laughs> there's nothing worse than for you to arrive thinking that you're delivering, carrying what God's got for you, only to think it's just wind. Could you ever conceive that fact that what you're carrying is actually phantom? It's not the real thing. But it felt like the real thing. Why? Because you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't let the baby, you wouldn't let others give you the scan to show you what it looks like. What's inside there? What's in the womb? Oh, no, no, I know what God said to me. Yep, you didn't see his window, did you? There has to be a place in the, in, 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 on the earth where you can have the scan to identify and to confirm what's in you is of God. Ah, oh, yeah. God is trying to get us, get the practice right on the ground. He does not want us to give birth to wind. Whatever we do as a church, we do not want wind. We do not want a lot of action that creates no fruit. That's wind. So, if we are a house and the people, the process of conception, pregnancy and birth is something we must give attention to. We must give attention to this because if we get it wrong at any stage, we'll birth the wrong thing. How many times do people get excited in God's presence? That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And they go running on the direction only to produce nothing. Because they didn't check around to see what the scan was. 
Lastly, I think, yeah, I can see, yeah, it's wind. You're the proud owner of wind. Never, never, I know what God said to me. It's wind. You're full of wind. Absolutely. I don't think many, many pastors and many churches or Christians like the idea that they've been carrying wind. But you sure know when you're hearing it. And I'm not trying to be vulgar. That's not my purpose. We are responsible for what we carry and what we give birth to. We are responsible. So corporately speaking, God wants us corporately as a church to conceive from out of what he is speaking to us about. What can you conceive this morning about what God is speaking to us? Let me just tell you one thing what God wants to rebirth in this house. Here's the, here's the, the conception rate. Here's the level, the entry level of what God wants, to conce- wants us to conceive. There is about to take place in the life of you right now a recommissioning. A recommissioning to go and reach the lost. We're getting back to what we should have always been doing, we should be doing, and what the Asians were commended for. We're getting back to the recommission. Now look at the person at the side of you and say, you are being recommissioned this morning. Do you even understand what that means? We are going back to what we should have always been doing and what we were originally appointed for. Every message from this day on will come back to the recommissioning. We're getting the troops back in the boots. We're getting the troops back in the boots and we're getting back on the ground where we should be. We are not effective sat in here. Hello? We are not effective sat in here. Now, great. Some of you will say, great, that's what I want to be. So you'll run off and think because I've just said it, I've given you license to run on your own. I didn't say that. I said, we're being recommissioned together. We go, we're sent, we're appointed. Well, I'm a Christian and I can go. Yes, you can go and preach the gospel to those who will hear it. You don't need your pastor's permission. You've got Jesus's. However, let's not use that, free, that license as a sin for you to do your own thing. Let's keep checking the baby. Let's keep checking the scan. Let's see how it's developing. Let's see what, what nourishment the baby needs. Let's see what it lacks. Because we don't want your baby to become wind. Does this make sense? God has given us clarity here. So there's a recommissioning to reach the lost. Coming upon us. And therefore, the journey begins with conception of this journey. We are being recommissioned. Why are we being recommissioned? Because we've lost the, the original commission. Because our lives have taken over, our priorities have taken over, and we've lost the commission, so we need to be recommissioned. So what they do, they take a boat out the water, they do what they need to do with it, they fix it, and they relaunch it, and it's recommissioned back into service. That's exactly what's happening to us. Better than ever. And if you want, we'll even get a bottle of shampoos and we'll smack it on, on the bow of the ship on the way out. Say, may God rest their soul. And may they be merry along the way. <laughs> so John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is not the scripture just for coming to Jesus. This is a scripture that will recommission us back to bring this scripture into the hearts and minds of our society. He's still the God that loves the world. He's still the God who gave his only son. He's still the God who promises whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Enoch did that. Enoch did that. Sorry, Noah did that. Sorry, not Enoch. Noah did that. When he built the ark, Hebrews tells us Noah condemned the world through building the ark. In other words, it was a sign that the world's going to be condemned. But here he's saying he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's the name that you and I must carry to the world. That means go through these doors, turn right or left, or go straight on. But don't come back. Go straight out. That's, that's the world beyond this door. Amen? They say, don't come back. You can come back, but don't stay in here. Acts 8, 26. And this is going to be many of your encounters. This is going to be your encounter, my encounter, as God begins to recommission us back. Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, when God gets a Philip involved, you know we're in trouble. Go south to the road, the desert road. So specifically, he told him which road to go. So can you take instructions from the Holy Spirit where you need to go? South road near the desert. The desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. An Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So you've got your own agenda. You're going about your own business. However, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading his book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, say it with me, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. The Spirit told Philip, go to that house, that door. That person. The Spirit. Uh, we're going to go to that chariot. And, and then Philip ran up to the chariot. He didn't walk. Didn't give an excuse like many of you have done. And I have done. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And then he says, do you understand what you're reading? Oy. Philip asked, how can I... He said, unless someone explains it to me. You are the person to explain the questions and the struggles of those people that you're going to meet. They've got questions and struggles and you are the answer to those people. So whatever your name is this morning, you have to be recommissioned so that the Spirit of God can say, go to that chariot. This is what recommission is all about. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.9. However, it is written, 
no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us. You can't say that you don't know that God wants to save the world. Why? Because you're a recipient of that very thing. Yeah? The Spirit searches all things, even deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we may understand. Watch this. That we may understand what they don't understand. That we may understand what they don't understand. And what God has freely given to us, it's not yet been given to them. But you are the gateway to supply what they lack. Now, I'm going to give you a point here that's just as significant as the first story of the disease. Please understand that you and I can only stay where legitimately you have been given permission to stay. You and I can only stay where you and I have been legit where legitimately you have been given permission to stay. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Many of us camp in a position too long. And when you camp in a position too long, you are no longer legitimately allowed to stay there because God has spoken to you to move on. When you stay longer than you should do and God has told you to move on and God has told every one of us to move on. He's told every one of us to move on. Why? Because God's word is constantly telling us to rise. So let me put it like this. You'll understand it this way. For those who, who understand British, the British Empire, when the British Empire gave up the Qing Dynasty... That was Hong Kong. There was a series of opium wars that took place. And Britain obviously got involved and helped bring peace in the region. And they got a 99-year lease on the land. How long? So legitimately, Britain could stay there for... Was it 100 years? No. They could leave at any time they wanted, but they got legitimately they got lease to stay there for 99 years. So when it came time to hand Hong Kong back over, they did. Why? Because now to stay there, they would be illegitimate because now they'll break the terms of the release of the lease. Now, when God tells you, time and time again, we read in scriptures, God told a person to go here and they stayed here too long. In fact, is it uh, Elijah? Or Elisha, one of those two character men. He said, what are you doing here? Get up and go there. What are you doing here? Time and time again, people stopped and keep stopping. And God says, what are you doing here? Because the moment you stay here a minute longer than you should have been, you're now illegitimate. So when we stay in the church and we just keep gathering for our purpose, we are illegitimate, we illegitimately false practice. Hello? 
when we stay in the church, we illegitimately end up in false practice. Because the church is not the place to shine our light. The church is outside, wherever you are. So, could you be guilty that we've stayed here too long? And I'm telling you, our lease is up. Our lease is up now. It's time to rise and go out. It's time to let light shine. This is the very thing that God spoke to me about in America. Nothing to do with any church I was in. Just as I'm walking down for my coffee, God begins to speak. Begins to tell me, just like Joshua, I'll give you every foot you step your foot into. If you're willing to leave, I'll give you every place you step your foot into. Really? Yes, really. Wow. Don't even want to leave Egypt. When, when Israel left Egypt, her time for staying there was up. Her time was there. It had been prophesied she'd stay there that long. So all, even though she was in slavery, legitimately she was in slavery. But the moment the time came up, she was out. Amen? When we're told to enter, and we do not enter, listen, this is what happens. When we're told to get up, and go and enter into new land, and we stay in the old land, the grace to stay where you once lived, and had the grace to live, no longer abides over your house. Let me say that again. It's quite, quite serious. When God tells us as a church, every one of us, he's talking to us as a whole body now this morning. When God tells us to get up and go and do the next action... To stay in that place, the grace that once was on us to stay here, now leaves us. Why? Because the grace is moving you to the next place. There the grace will be for the instruction that's carried out. And this is why so many Christians struggle, that when they disobey God and they realize it's so hard and so difficult, because the grace is not following them to do and go where they need to go and do. What they need to do, that makes sense. So, so important. Every miracle, every breakthrough that takes place depends on how you respond to what is being said and to what is being spoken. Every breakthrough, every miracle that takes place depends on how you respond to what is being said and to what is being spoken. Every miracle. Every miracle or breakthrough you experience is determined by how you obey. What has been spoken. And what you're prepared to act on. Hello. What are we prepared to act on? We've got to prepare to act on this word. Hello. Oh, is, this side, is this side open? We've got to be prepared to act. Now, we will supply what we lack to get us there. Or he will supply. But we're going. Get your belongings together. We're going. We're going. We're leaving Egypt. We're leaving Drawsden in that sense. Do you realize as we start going, we may no longer meet in this place. Now, when I leave this place, there will be no Remembrance Day. No. Why? Because my heart is not attached to bricks and mortar. 
Bricks and mortar. Now, the older, the OLD amongst us, the Gwens and the Sonyas and whoever, whoever else was here at the foundations of the earth, they may shed a tear, and I understand that. But you need to know your pastor and his leadership are walking out, shutting the door and smiling. Why? This building has served a purpose. Thank God for those people who built it, and I really do thank God that we've got our own building. But as we move on, I go with joy that we've moved from this. This has become the great leverage to us to going where we need to go. I will not be sat there putting a stone in remembrance to the building. No, 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 no. Why? I see it as a great day of adventure and excitement. We go to the next place. And then whoever takes over, they can turn around and say, if they're going to move, they can do what they want. I'll be gone by then. Just don't, put me, just don't put a monument to me. So every miracle breakthrough that takes place depends on how you respond to what is being said and to what is being spoken. Every miracle or breakthrough you experience is determined by you how you obey and what you're prepared to act on. Are you prepared to act, church? Because I'm praying that God moves your heart. If you feel this, the rumblings and the stirlings, it's because we as a leadership are praying that God gives you, that God gives his people to us to lead. When you give your heart to God, it's not hard for a leader to lead. When you don't give your heart to God, a leader can't lead you anywhere. A leader cannot lead someone who's not first given themselves to God. Too much leadership is trying to lead people who have not yet submitted to God. Yes? Wisdom won. So you've got to ask yourself, am I giving my heart to God? Because I'll only be a resistance to my pastor. It's true. So, Mark 4, 12. So let me give you this. The upper room church, the upper room church must connect with the throne room God. The upper room church must connect to the throne room God. You got that? So the Passover lamb can fill us with his spirit. Amen. Let me say that again. It's good editing that. The upper room church must connect with the throne room God. So the Passover lamb can fill us with his spirit. Now as we read this scripture, that will make perfect sense. Mark 14. On the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he, he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. Teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciple. He will show you a large upper room. Furnished and ready, make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Now this is supernatural. Go to the city, there'll be a man carrying the water. So God, through the foreordained knowledge of God, he sees the city. He sees on that day, at that time, there'll be a man carrying the water. And that man will carry the water exactly at the same time you enter. So God's preparing the way for a new move. 
God's preparing the way for a new move. There'll be, there will be favor in the new move. God will create preparations for us for the new move. God will create men who carry the jars of water, who will be the conduit, the point, the bridge, who will open up the doors for where we need to go. God's placed his people in the city for us. Amen. But the disciples did exactly what Jesus told them and they found, and the connection point was amazing. They found the upper room and they found that just as Jesus said, the preparations will be made. Okay, so he said, they found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared for the Passover. Now go to Acts chapter 2. So Mark 14, 12 is, is the upper room that God originally placed for them. Now in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, where were they? In the upper room. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that spread and came and rested on them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Write down, get ready for the overshadowing of God to come upon us in the upper room. Because the Passover lamb is about to pass over and fill us with his Spirit. The Passover lamb. So the upper room church must connect to the throne room God. So the Passover lamb can fill us with his spirit. And when we go into the upper room, that's why building the spirit, that's why prayer is so important for us, for us to come into the upper room. You must find your upper room. Why? Because the upper room church, you're the church. You must learn to connect with the throne room God wherever you are. So that the Passover lamb can pass over and fill you with his spirit. Why? Because he's about to break out in the upper room. From the upper room, he's going into the living room. From the upper room, God is going to send us into every living room. From every living room, he's going to take us into the marketplace. And from the marketplace, out into every place. He starts up in the, in the upper room. Upper room connects to the throne room. The throne in the upper room takes you into every living room. Every living room then floods into every into the marketplace, and from the marketplace into every place, and then you fill Jerusalem. That's how a small church can move into significant things. Could you believe a small church? I said, do you believe it? This is where we belong, church. This is where we belong. This is the new and living way that Jesus spoke to us about when he says, enter in. Enter in. When Jesus has been talking to us for the last six months about entering in, he's trying to get us to enter into the most holy place. Why? Because in the most holy place, that's where we connect to the throne room. And from the throne room, we're sent out, we're recommissioned. He says, what are you doing here? Get out. Get out of here. Get into the world. This is why there's such a stirring in my heart. Oh God, when can we go? When can we go? So, Isaiah 26, 17, as I read to you before. 
A woman, as a woman with child, is about to give birth. She writhes and she cries out in her pain. So we were, so were we in your presence. Now, just stop there for a second. There are many things that will bring you into the presence of God. Many things. Your sin, your disobedience, your frustration, your sadness, your sickness, and blah, blah, blah. Many things will bring us into the presence of God. Many things will cause you to writhe and riddle in pain in his presence. We were with child, we arrived in plain, but listen, because I've added something, I deliberately omitted something from the first time I read it to you. Now I'm going to give you the extended version of that verse. Watch this. Uh, we cried out, she cries out in, out in her pain so that we were in your presence. Oh Lord, we were with child. We writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to people of the world. That was her problem. She'd lost the commission over her life. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to people. Church, right now, we are birthing people. We are, as the Christ comes forth, as we birth Christ in us, and that Christ is taken to the, out into the marketplace, into every living room, we will birth people. But first, Christ has to be birthed in you. And how does he get birthed in you? As you go and tell people. There isn't a day when you feel, oh yeah, I've birthed Christ now. You birth Christ through your actions. Can you see this? You are not an effective Christian sat at home or in church. Sorry. You are a believer, but you're not a disciple. I'm going to talk to you about addition and numerical addition. There's two types of addition in the Bible. We have been guilty of the first addition. But the second addition is where we're moving into. I'll show you that. Many times we conceive something in the spirit, so we pray. We worship, we even fast, and we feel the intensity of the, the tug of the burden in our hearts. And we want it to develop whilst we're in the presence of God. But because we don't understand the process of how God brings things to birth. And the longevity and the persistence that's needed for birthing things in the spirit. Our burden never develops into a birth. It gets lost. It gets dropped. In, in one sense, we miscarry. We miscarry and we drop the seed. We lose the seed of what God has planted in our hearts. And then we give birth to the wrong things because we lost, the, we lost the dimension, the dynamic, the originality, the authenticity of what we once caught hold of. Because we didn't feed it, because we didn't surrender to it, we lost it. Every one of us is guilty. I said every one of us is guilty of losing the hope within us. 
And when we lose the hope, we, we carry on, but we're, we're, we're bittered. We're hurt. We're in distress. We, we lose hope. We lose faith. And we know it's impossible to please God without faith. So this is why God's given us a, a, a new day and a new opportunity to reconceive what God has in store for us. You know, what eyes have not seen, eyes will see. What hands have not touched, your hand will touch. The language you didn't have, you were going to be given language. Why? Because it has been revealed to us by the Spirit. So therefore, if it's been revealed to us by the Spirit, the Spirit will empower us to go and do what the Spirit does best. So the upper room has to connect with the throne room God. So that the Passover lamb can pass over and fill us with his Spirit. So that those outside can hear what has been taking place on the inside. Inside meaning our hearts. Amen. Notice we, you've given birth to wind because you did not bring salvation. Because you did not stick to the primary purpose. You know, despite of what God is doing with us as a church, right now, part of our primary purpose is to go and reach the lost. We must concentrate on reaching the lost. We will also concentrate on other areas. We're not saying throwing our eggs in one basket. What we're saying is that has to become one of the, one of the pillars of our house. I don't know if you noticed, but we're all getting older. At some point, we're all going to be D-E-A-D. We're all going to be dead. We can't just live for us. We've got to make sure the next generation are secured. Legacy is our primary issue. And legacy is not just about maintaining what's in the future. Legacy is about dealing with what's in now and what's not working now. Because what's not working now will determine your future. Amen? So, last scripture and then we're out. Hebrews 6.4 Are you ready to touch the power of the age to come? Mm, I like that. Are you ready to touch the power of the age to come? Hebrews 6.4 says it's impossible for those who have been enlightened. Now watch. Many times you'll read this scripture and it has, it's, it's always used in the context of people losing salvation or people falling back, backsliding. But I want to just draw out a point here. It is impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Ghost, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come. You have already tapped into the power of the age to come. When Jesus Christ bled for you and gave you his life, you tapped in the power of the age to come. Hello? You are part, that power is actually in you now. Yeah. You're not waiting for it to come. It's come to you. Yeah. It's come to you now. It's there. So, when 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, it is written, No eye, no ear, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Why? Because it's already come to you. God has revealed it to you that the power of the age to come is already inside of you. But for so many people, it's still yet to come. But for us, it's here. It lives inside of me. Now watch this. We have not received the spirit of the world, 
But we've received the spirit which is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. Now, Corinthians says this. That which eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, minds have not yet conceived what God has prepared for those, for those who love. But God has revealed it to you, Chris. But what has he revealed to you? What has he revealed to you? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. It's all right saying he's revealed it to us, but what has he actually revealed to you? That's part of you working out your salvation. Hebrews tells us, 10.9, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. So God wants you to enter in so that you can become conscious of what he has supplied to you. If you do not enter in, you'll never become conscious of what God has supplied to you. What has he revealed to us? Well, it's revealed when you enter in. There are some things that if I don't enter into, I cannot understand God. It's gone very quiet in this Catholic church. Watch. Watch this. For every new step you step into, there's a thousand voices in the background that says, don't go. Right? So when, when God's trying to transition me out of the charismatic into the apostolic, a thousand reasons for me not to do it. My own leadership didn't want me to go. But they prayed for me and blessed me to go. But yet, two weeks of my return, they resigned. So there was evidence that some of them did not want me to go. The rest of them fought me because I went. They knew there was a change taking place. But then the congregation, that's the leadership. Then you as a congregation, and say you, not you, but those who were you. Those who represented you. They fought against it. Why? Because they didn't want the change going on the other side of the world. What's our pastor going to the other side of the world for? To this man who we don't even know. Is he now going to run our church? Am I giving my tithes and offerings to this man? Calm down, Kim Osave. All these fears. So, we call it the Duff's syndrome. Doubts, uncertainties, fears, feelings, suspicion. It's called a dose of the Duff's, not the Andes or the Shirley's. <laughs> For those on tape, their name's Duffield. So if you've got a coat, you probably all, at some point, have got a dose of the Duff's. And you know, our ADT is about ridding them of this disease called Duff's. Have you not got doubts? Hello, I said, have you not got doubts? Have you not got uncertainties? Have you not got fears? Of course you have. Fear is a feeling. Right? Have you got suspicions? Some of you don't like, you're not quite sure about me. Well, guess what? I'm not quite sure about you. But my suspicion does not necessarily have to result in a fear. Right, so we all acknowledge those things that are in this room. So then we also have to acknowledge that's why the Holy Spirit must empower us to overcome your uncertainties, your fears and your suspicions. Amen? And that's why I love this word, because that word drives fear out. Amen? So... 
Do you believe, church, I'm coming to the, the, the part that I'm going to nail you to the cross now. Do, let's stand to our feet, if you will. That gives you hope and finishing. No, seriously, I am finishing. Do you believe over the last six months, God Almighty has given you permission to enter in? Come on, I want everybody to say yes or no. If you don't, if you don't say it, come on, don't, don't lie to yourself. I'm not quite sure. Yes, right. Enter into what? He said the most holy place. Do you all believe that? By the blood. Through the written word. Amen? You all believe that, dear? Right. You have also been given permission to access. Would you agree? If, you, if God says enter in, he's given you permission to access. Now here's the thing. You ready? What you access, you are given permission to manifest. What you access, God gives you permission to manifest. Did I just say something then? What you access is clear license for you to manifest. So if we access the new dimension of God, we are given license to manifest that new level. Amen? Amen? David looked in his day and saw he was surrounded by the Levitical priesthood. David saw in his day that he was surrounded by the Levitical priesthood. But he entered into a new dimension and he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus and he stepped into Jesus in his day while he, while he was still in the Levitical priesthood. Now, David couldn't, by law, was not allowed to become prophet, priest or king. There were three separate offices. David couldn't go in and make a sacrifice. That was the high priest's job. But David, seeing Jesus, stepped into Jesus' day in his day. Because God had given him access to appropriate what had still not yet been revealed to mankind. David saw it and laid hold of it. He accessed in his day what was coming, Jesus. And he turned the worship around and that's why we're building David's tabernacle. Because of what David accessed in his day. Enoch, he saw the day that was coming. And he saw the day that when Jesus would return back in victory, in his day, and he accessed it in his day. God took him off the earth because he's going to be one of those who God will release back on the earth in the the, uh, future. But Enoch saw it and prophesied his day. A day when Jesus was coming back. So what you're giving access to, you're also giving permission to manifest. So when I was in the spirit, And the Lord speaks, I can manifest in my day what the Lord is showing me will happen in 10, 15, 20 years time. Why? Because he's giving you special access to manifest. Can you not see this? You can only manifest the power of God based on what you can see. And what you can see will become the key to what you can access. And what you access will determine what you will manifest. 
God Almighty wants us to manifest a different church than the one we are today. But today is the day the word is preached. So do you see it today, Lisa? Do you see what God wants to birth in us over the next decade? See it today because the next decade is about you walking in what you saw today. It's about you because you're giving access to, man- to enter into that today so you can manifest it over the next decade. If you don't see it today, you don't conceive it today, you can't birth it over the next decade. Can you see this, church? You can see why I'm excited. I saw it far away. I saw it in America. I saw this day when I'm speaking to you. Raise your hands if you will. Oh, church, conceive, conceive. Barren womb, conceive this morning. Barren womb, conceive this morning. Say, Lord, give me the capacity to to grasp what's been spoken this morning. Let me access. Let me access, Father, and manifest what it is you're speaking to us today. Oh, come on, church. Show heaven that there is, there is seed on the ground. We're not going to give birth to wind. We will not carry wind. Oh, Father. Let today, let heaven record today. Let heaven record your response today to his word. Oh, Ramama Satarabanda. Shirimamarianda. Let this be Remembrance Day. Let this be Remembrance Day on this earth. Today is the day when God says you're leaving. Today is the day when God says, I'm giving you permission to access and manifest a new day. Permission to access a new day. A new day. Kuriarara satarama kurianda. Lana mama mokuriondo lobo shariadara baba bakarianda. Mara baba basite le bobo kuriondo lomo shariyanda. Ramba baba kuriondo lomo shariyanda le bakata. Rambo bokuriondo lomo shariyanda. Oh father, father, father. Sara baba bakuriondo lama shariyanda baba karianda. Shora mama mosotoriende. Oh, Rapapateri and Dolomokorianda. Silimama Marion Dolobokotoriende. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Sharamama Mama Koriondolama Sarianda. Oh, Father, let there be a conception. I pray for a Holy Ghost conception today in the lives of your people. Oh, God, sow it deep into their hearts. Enter in. Enter in, church. Enter in. Let the upper room connect with the throne room God. So the Passover lamb can pass over and fill us with his spirit. Oh, mighty God. The upper room God. Let there be a recommissioning taking place. Oh, Rabababa Sundarebo Kuriende, Chile Mamma Satara Mauro Doriande, Sile Mamma Kuriende. Oh, 
you know, when we were in Kevin Lee, the church went for the weekend, we as a leadership met together in the afternoon to discuss this very journey we're going on. And we decided there and then that this is the journey we have to take. And this is the journey that we'll, we're dedicated to empowering you to take. Because God is dedicated to empower us, to empower you. Now what I'm saying this morning is what we're saying. So there's power in, in agreement. I'm, I'm just the male man this morning. I am not the male. God's word is the male. I'm delivering the male to you, but I am not the male. I'm not the substance of what God is saying, but I've delivered the substance through the gift that God gives me. Amen. Let's make the distinction. God is God. Man is man. Yes. Amen. So the man delivers the mail. Now you've received the mail this morning. You have to open it up and respond to the mail. Do you see that? So if you've got a family member here today, I want you to go and join hands with them. If you, if husband, wife, kids, or whatever it is, I want you to go and hold their hands. Those who have not got their family with them this morning, don't feel out of sync. I want you to look at your family and say, we got mail this morning. Seriously, be serious about this. We got mail this morning. Did we, have we understood what has been delivered into our hearts? David, you come and join with me. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. Sit there, sit there. We got mail this morning. Did we understand that we got mail? Did we see that we got mail this morning? Right. Together we need to understand this. So together we can understand and enter into what the mail that we got. There are some terms and conditions in there that we may not yet understand. But with God's grace we'll get to understand what is required of us as mail or recipients of the mail. Okay, God will make it clear to us. So don't fret, don't start working what you don't understand. Just understand what you understand. That makes sense. Because what you don't understand, understanding has to come to you. Okay, all right, all right. Well, let me let me make it clear then. What I'm asking you to do now as a family is on the message you have received this morning. You are agreeing that what God has said, right? You've agreed what God has said, that God wants to recommission us as a family to take us out to reaching the lost. And based on what we've received, we understand that. We don't know how he's going to do it. We don't know how it's going to manifest in our lives. But we've received the message this morning that God is taking us beyond the doors of the church into reaching the lost. So God will put people on our hearts. God will show us where those people are. We don't understand all that's, how that's going to manifest, but we do understand that God's recommissioning us as a church to get back to the primary issue of winning souls. So when you look at one another, you're saying, that's what we agree on today. We understand what's been said, and we receive that this morning to our hearts. Amen? So just begin to pray this morning. That's, thank you, Father, for your word that you've given me. I understand in part, but Father, I receive what I understand, and I work from what I understand. What I don't understand, you'll make it clear to me. But Father, me and my family, 
we will take responsibility for positioning ourselves so that you can send us to wherever it is you're sending us and to who you're going to send us to. Help us this day, Father, to step into what it is you've spoken. Father, from this access, you're giving me permission to manifest all that you're saying in Jesus' name. Let the power of God overshadow my tent. And let understanding come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.